um, we're beginning a new series this week, and uh, the series is entitled Twisted Scripture, and today our theme is going to be Ask Anything, which you saw in that clip. Um, unanswered prayer typically poses a challenge for us. I want to give you an example of unanswered prayer in the Scripture, and the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect or complete in, in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And actually, over the next five weeks, we're going to look at four messages along this theme of Twisted Scripture. Now, next week, we're going to recognize our graduates. And in that service, uh, our new children's pastor, John Rhodes, will be speaking uh, for the first time. So then the following week, we'll pick back up uh, with, this, with this series. And um, I'm going to give you advance notice. So on June the 12th, um, I'm going to address the most quoted, butchered, verse in all of the Bible that's butchered by both Christians and non-Christians alike, and it is, judge not lest you be judged. Now, I'm going to guess that you, you've had that used on you, and maybe you've used it against someone else. But anyway, we're going to look at that uh, in detail next week. But our text for today is John chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. Now, if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, you will notice that these are uh, the words of Jesus. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, it would seem from this text that if we ask Jesus for anything in his name, he will do it, or not? Well, that's the question. If you pray in faith, in the name of Jesus, to get the job, you got the job, right? Or, you got to get the girl, if that's what you prayed for. Or, you got to win the lottery. Right? Well, that's what it says. If you ask for anything in my name, it's in red letters in the Bible. Jesus said it. It must come true like that. That's what people believe. A really sweet little old lady got treatable cancer. This cancer was curable with modern medicine. The people in her small group at church decided to stand on these verses of Scripture. 
acclaimed this verse for her. In Jesus' name, we believe she will be healed. That's what the Bible says. She refused treatment, and she tragically died. Treatable, curable, cancer. She refused treatment. Believing, having faith in Jesus, in his name, she would be healed. Okay, obviously the verse is not true. Obviously this verse does not work. Obviously this is not what Jesus was really saying. Or perhaps maybe we've twisted in our understanding in our application of what Jesus was saying. Well, today, we are going to see a simplified way of learning to find the real meaning of Scripture. So here's the first thing that we're going to do. We need to understand the context of the Scripture verse or passage that we are studying, looking at. Now, that means we want to know not just what the verse says, but what's coming before the verse and what follows the verse, as well as to whom it was written, who wrote the verse, what is the major theme, and what is God trying to say through this author. All right, let's start with the basics here. Who wrote the book of John? Anybody? Yeah, John. It's not a trick question. Okay. John wrote the Gospel of John. Okay. What was the main theme of the book of John? Ah, that's a little tougher. You'd have to read the entire Gospel for the next 30 minutes. I'd rather you pay attention to what I'm going to say than to actually read it. I'll help you out there. Uh, the, the main theme of the book of John is that John was trying to prove that Jesus was the Son of God. That's what he's doing. That's his purpose for the book. Okay, we're going to look at the first chapter, verse 1 and verse 14, because that puts us on target here. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and notice it's capitalized, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. We call this the incarnation, that is God becoming flesh. And made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so this is the purpose of the entire Gospel of John, to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, chapter 14, where we are today, and where a text is taken from, Jesus starts out this chapter by saying, Do not be afraid. I am going away to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms which will be for you. Do not worry. Later in the chapter he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, when I go away, I've got really good news. Instead of getting worse, it's only going to get better for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you. And so the main theme of chapter 14 is not prayer. I want you to see that. But about 
the preparations that Jesus is making for his disciples. The big theme of chapter 14 is the preparation that Jesus is going to make. Now, let's reread a portion of the verse from the perspective of not making ourselves the main character of the text. But remember and respect who, and when I say who, that's with a capital W, who is always the main character of the text, and that is God, not us. God is always the main character of the Word, not us. We need to remember that. John chapter 14 again, verse 13 And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Usually our understanding stops there. You know, we kind of stop there. But it goes on. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. It's not so that you'll get what you want. It's so that the Son will bring glory to the Father. So the reason Jesus answers prayer is so that the Father may be glorified in heaven. That's the real purpose. The reason God answers prayer is not so that our life will be better. It's not so that we'll have more money. It's not so that you ladies can get the kitchen you always dreamed of. Do you recognize that here in this text? Have you ever noticed how self-centered our prayers tend to be? I can remember when I was a kid, and uh, the church had prayer meeting, <clears throat> and so you'd gather on Wednesday night, and everybody would pray, and it was it was basically a list of everybody that everybody knew that was sick. That was the extent of the the list what they prayed for, and so it's you know all about us. It's all about what we're what we're going through. Back in the summer of 1978, I was playing volleyball at church camp, and uh, there was a guy on my team that played played the whole field. Didn't matter where the ball was hit, he was there to try to return it back across the net to the other side. Well, he happened to hit me in the side of the knee when I was up in the air, like a, a football-type injury, tore my cartilage and ligament. Long story short, That was Saturday. Next day, I had to go to the hospital. Gina had to take me to the hospital after I preached. And uh, I ultimately had surgery in which they removed um, that cartilage and repaired that ligament. Well, for the next number of years, I, I was in constant pain and progressively got worse because I was missing the shock absorber that we need between our joints uh, so every time I'd walk or every time I'd, I'd run, I'd have bone rubbing bone. Well, it got worse as years passed to October 2002 um, when I had a joint replacement, a knee replacement. Since that time, I've had constant pain in that joint. Now, I've always wondered how in the world can you have pain in a metal joint uh, but, you know, they did a number on my kneecap to make it work uh, with the metal joint, and my nerves run up be- behind it, between it and the joint. So I don't know what's going on there. 
but you know, it's not constant sharp pain. It's more like a toothache. Sometimes I find it difficult to go to sleep at night. Other times it wakes me up uh, in in the in the middle of the night. But you know, the majority of time when I'm busy, I don't notice it. Well, praying for healing would not bring glory to God. It would be very self-centered, self-focused. Praying for God to help me accept and deal with my slight disability so that I don't run around whining and complaining all the time, that would be significant uh, toward me not creating an impact in the world regarding the reputation of God, the church, and Christians in general. Okay, you follow me? When we read the passage, not as seeing ourselves as the main subject of the Bible, but seeing God as the main subject of the Bible, we recognize that there is a much different purpose for our prayers than what many of us realize. Unanswered prayer is perhaps the number one reason that people walk away from faith in God. You've probably seen it. I've seen it over and over again. Um, I prayed for it. I believed in it. He didn't do it. Therefore, he isn't real. He doesn't care. He's not good. Over and over again, I've seen people walk away from God, from their faith in God, because God did not do what they wanted him to do. All right. Next step, let's translate Scripture with Scripture. What else does the Bible say about God's concerns when we pray? Now, we might call these qualifiers. Does God have qualifiers when we pray? Most certainly he does. Number one, your relationships matter to God. That's not only your relationship to him, but your relationships with other people. Mark chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. You'll notice again, if you're looking in your Bible, these are red letters because Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Wow, once again, that sounds like whatever we ask for, we can get. And when you stand praying, he's not finished yet. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Obviously, when you are praying, if you are ticked at somebody, you need to deal with that relationship first before you keep on praying. Because evidently, your relationships with other people matter to God. It's kind of a little bit like, God, I want a pony. I want a pony. I want a pony in Jesus' name. I claim it. I name it. I want a pony. But I hate my brother. Sorry, no pony, right? Is that how God would answer? No pony with that attitude because your relationship with your brother matters. 
Now, as a parent, we know this is true. Uh, those of you who have children, you've got experience along this line. He hit me. I hate her. She's touching me. She came into my room. Mom, can I have a friend over? <laughs> yeah, I know why you're laughing. Because you know what the answer is. No friend over. Until you learn to get along with your brothers and sisters, uh, you're not going to get what you ask for. As a parent, it's pretty simple. And evidently, this matters to God. Now, I'm going to talk to part of you. I'm going to talk to the husbands. Um, now, I have some instructions for the wives, though, before I do. Wives, do not elbow your husband. Do not say amen to anything I might say. Look forward. Focus on my nose. <laughs> Don't look to the side. Look at me. Just like I, I'm talking to somebody else's husband, not yours, okay? All right, here comes. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Peter, the apostle, says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, the, a lot of people misread this. It doesn't say that the wife is weaker than the husband. It's not about that at all. It is about men treating your wives with respect and treating them as though they were a weaker vessel and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. That's why you treat them with respect because they're an heir to the same thing you are. So here's the reason. So that Nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, if I'm being a jerk to Gina, it will affect my prayers, according to Peter. Clearly, here's something that matters to God when you pray your relationship. So this is also a qualifier to prayer. Okay, number two, you have to ask God with the proper motive. James chapter 4, verse 3. Now, this half-brother of Jesus writing here. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, the Pharisees often had wrong motives in Jesus' day. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. Uh, they wanted to impress people with their fancy prayers. Jesus called it hypocritical. A new Christian male in college, just recently converted to Christ, decided he wanted a Christian girl. He, you know, he knew that much about Scripture that he ought to want someone who shared uh, faith with him. But on top of that, he wanted a smoking hot Christian girl. Now, you know what I mean when I say smoking hot, right? Okay, if not, see me after service and I'll explain it. I'll explain it to you. But <clears throat> so when he couldn't find one, okay, so the question, what's he going to settle for? When he couldn't find one, he picked a smoking hot wild girl 
and started praying that she would be saved. Now, isn't that a great prayer? Here's a non-Christian. He's praying that she's going to find, discover Christ, become a Christian. Well, yes, but what was his what was his motive? So, you know, you're thinking, is that a great prayer? Sounds right, sounds good, but his motives are wrong. Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Clearly, both your relationships and motives matter to God when you pray. So here's another qualifier. Okay, number three is faith. Faith is also an important element when you pray. So then faith becomes yet a third qualifier. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, James writes, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. It appears that our faith moves the heart of God. Matthew 9, verses 29 and 30, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. So these two blind men had come to Jesus and asked, Have mercy on us, Jesus. And so Jesus answered their prayer, their request, based on their faith. Now, at, some, at this point, some people <clears throat> are going to conclude, if my relationships are all good, and my motives are all pure, and if I have enough faith, then God has got to do whatever I ask him to do. When we follow this line of reason, we slip into some type of prosperity gospel. Maybe you're not familiar with what that is. Um, uh, or sometimes it's called name it and claim it, uh, blab it and grab it, see it and be it. You can call it whatever you want, uh, but that, that's the theme, that's the idea. You know, I want this new car in Jesus' name. That car is mine. I'm claiming that it's going to be mine. I'm not employed, and I don't like to work. <clears throat> and I don't like to work, but that car is going to be mine. Bless God. It's coming to me. We're winning the lottery in Jesus' name. Now, this this may be upsetting to some of you because some of you were raised in a religious culture um, that believes this and taught this, and you may get upset with me, um, but please don't write me off yet. You know, hang in there with me because this is really serious. If my relationships are good, my motives are pure, I have enough faith, God's got to give it to me. It's kind of like, God's my genie. You remember I Dream of Genie? Those of you are my age or older, you may remember I Dream of Genie. Or if you watch reruns on TV, those of you who are younger, you may have seen it. Uh, but that's where, you know, the genie comes out of the bottle and grants you every wish. Well, that, that's how we treat God. 
Uh, we treat him as though he were our genie. All right, there's, there's a fourth qualifier, though, and that is when we pray, we have to understand that God's will matters. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I apologize, my voice <clears throat> a little shaky here this morning. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now listen, this is a game changer. <clears throat> if we ask for things that don't align with God's will, we can't expect to receive them. We cannot ask him for whatever we want and demand that he does it for us that makes us God, not him. You follow my reasoning here? Asking is not according to our will, but according to his will. John 14, verse 14, You may ask me for anything in my name, this is part of our text, and I will do it. Praying in God's will sheds light on our text. God's will is certainly a qualifier when we pray. You see, prayer gives us access to enter the throne of God. Prayer is not the key to get us what we want. You remember Jesus' prayer in the garden just prior to his arrest? John, or Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 and 42 and 44. He, that is Jesus, went a little farther on, threw himself face downward on the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Verse 42, Once more Jesus went away and prayed, My Father, if this cup of suffering cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 44, again Jesus left them, went away, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. He knew he was going to die. He didn't want to die. He really knew there was no other way. But this is his humanity coming out. But because of his relationship with God, he said, you know, nevertheless, you know, your will be done. Next, we need to apply what we learn. Today, when I pray, I believe that God can answer my prayer. Today, when I pray, I believe that God will answer my prayer. If God doesn't answer my prayer, I still believe. I believe he can and he will. <clears throat> but even if he doesn't, I still believe. My faith in God does not rest on what he does or does not do for me. My faith in God rests on what Jesus has already done on the cross and the empty tomb. 
My faith issue is settled. I am unwavering. If prayer is only a tool to get me what I want, that is an insult to our God. You see, the power is not in us, and sometimes we think we're powerful. The power is not even in the prayer. The power is in God. The power always comes down to God. Imagine if I only went to my dad, said, Dad, give me this. Dad, give me that. Dad, give me something else. And it was always give me. Well, that would make my dad my servant. And God is not my servant. He's not your servant. Um, I am not the main character in Scripture. God is the main character in Scripture. If he doesn't do what I want him to do, that doesn't lessen who he is. It doesn't wreck my faith. Because my faith is not based on him doing what I demand him to do. My faith is based on his love when he sent Jesus into the world to die for me. And suddenly that changes everything. If I ask anything in his name, it will be done for me so that God may be glorified. It's more about God than it is about me getting my wish list. Prayer is the avenue through which I get to know God and give him glory. It is the ultimate focus of getting what you pray for, if that is all about you, and, and how the answer benefits you, then the ask is amiss. It needs to ultimately be for God's glory. Our prayers are not to get God to do what we want, but to submit our will to what he wants. We need to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed uh, in the model prayer. Praying in the will of God will build your faith. Praying for big things will build your faith. Believe and trust that God can and will respond. But even if he doesn't, I know you will still believe because your faith does not rest on God doing what you tell him to do. Your faith rests on his goodness, on the empty tomb, on the fact that Jesus died and rose again so that we could live forever. And for those reasons, we will put our faith in him. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that your Holy Spirit would do a healing work in so many people's lives, especially, Father, for those who may feel let down, disappointed, or hurt. Father, for those who are still praying for something significant today, we ask that you would respond in ways that only you can. 
It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Now, if you are praying for things to be different in your life, to have a relationship healed, or if you have a health issue, financial issue, job-related issue, keep on praying. Don't give up praying. Many of us do. Too soon. Allow God's Word to build your faith. Place your faith in the character, nature, goodness, and sovereignty of the will of God. Remember, God can do anything. All things are possible with God, the Bible tells us. Pray like you expect God to respond to that prayer. Are your prayers not being answered? Are they self-centered? Or are they God-centered? Are they focused on His glory? 